What are you waiting for? Welcome to This Is Not A Dress Rehearsal Podcast. Stop holding your breath, waiting for perfect conditions before you move through the world. Tune in for real stories of real people who understand the freedom to live well. Your host, Bonnie Sewell, is a veteran wealth manager with 12 grandchildren, helping clients over the last 30 years enjoy their wealth. You can listen to all podcasts at www.americancapitalplanning.com slash podcast or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Kristen Cofield is the founder and owner of The Culinary Cure, an education website dedicated to helping people use the power of food to change their lives. She is a passionate advocate for food as medicine. Kristen turned what was on the end of her fork into a superpower to fuel her best life, and she wants to see others do the same. Kristen is a regular contributor on Good Morning Washington, ABC7, and Fox 5, where she inspires and motivates her viewers to take charge of their health with easy plant-based recipes and nutrition and wellness tips. Her writing has been featured in DC Refined, Great Day Washington, Washingtonian, and in multiple other publications. She is regularly a featured speaker and wants to inspire you to use food to live like you mean it. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, that just Sometimes I hear that and I'm like, wow, that's so cool that I have been able to create so many things that can help other people. Because at the end of the day, that is my biggest goal. I figured some of this stuff out. And if I can share it and help other women kind of hack their habits, because food is a habit, and use it strategically to have lives that really resonate with them. Like, don't you want everything aligned in your life? Don't you want to have like the career and the mind and the body and like feel good about it all? I think everybody does. I do too. And we're going to go into some of those details, but I wanted to start with the dedication of your book. And the book is called How Healthy People Eat. You wrote for my children, Will, Jesse, and Virginia, who learned to love broccoli, sweet potatoes, and water in a world of Hot Pockets and Slurpees. So how did you manage <laughs> to do that as a busy working mom? And actually, when you, when you think of that, it tells you more than just who I'm dedicating this book to, because this is how people lose the power of food. You know, we start as children and we don't get the right messaging. And it's the same as money. If you don't get the right messaging early on, you don't create the habits that help you use food or money strategically to build your life. So when our kids were little, I didn't know everything I know now, but I did know it couldn't possibly be good to drink something with artificial coloring in it. And I had heard an NPR one time and it had Meryl Streep and she was talking about Alar on apples. I don't know if you remember I that. I remember that. Right? And this was a big thing back in like maybe the late 80s, early 90s. So Alar was something they were spraying on apples as, I believe it was like a preservative. So apples could you know look more beautiful in the grocery store. 
but it had all these links to neurological and emotional issues in children. And I heard this and I was like, holy moly, like here we are as parents giving our kids applesauce and apple juice and apple roll-ups. And these are all made from, you know, industrialized, commercially produced apples that could potentially be laden with this toxic chemical. So at that point, I, you know, I was like, look, I can't control everything. I can't control what my kids eat at a birthday party, but I can sure control what they're eating at home. So we had, we had all kinds of, you know, little fun ways of like getting our kids to think, you know, what they were eating was fantastic. Like (laughs) make your own soda day. And I would get, you know, seltzer and I would have all these little droppers where you could put like some of this juice or some of that flavoring. You could put some mint, you could put some raspberries in your soda. Like I just found all these ways to keep my kids engaged with, with what they were eating in a way that didn't make them want to rebel, you know, against all the good, all the good work we were doing at home. Yep. And, and I think that's really important. And I think it also talks about the food preparation, which I'd like to get into a little bit more deeply in, in just a little further in our talk. But your business is the culinary cure. Hard word for me to say, easy for you to say. <laughs> Tell our listeners the origin story of how you came to build this really interesting business. I love alliteration. So the culinary cure kind of rolls off the tongue, but it also embodies my whole philosophy, which is, you know, it's that food is medicine and you can use your habits, you know, your little habits, like habits are 43% of what we do every day. 43% is mindless repetition. We don't think about it. We just do it. And food falls into that mindless repetition. So when we flip the switch from mindless to mindful, we can change the outcome. Because you know the saying, oh, you know, you do the same thing over and over again, you get the same results. Well, if you don't like the results, you've got to change what you're doing. So the culinary cure came from, I'll tell you a little bit of my of my own story. And I know you read it yesterday in my in a blog post that I wrote, but Like many women in midlife, I found myself in a place where I was lost in my own life. I couldn't find myself anymore. I didn't recognize who I'd become. So I had spent all these years being all things to all people, married to a great guy, but that doesn't mean you don't have problems in a marriage. And we got into some very serious financial trouble at the same time that I was dealing with parents who had life-threatening health issues. And I myself was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So I had this like tsunami of like everything that can go wrong kind of goes wrong at one time. And that one time wasn't like one year. It was like 10 years. Right. And this is what, this is this story that all women kind of tell. They're like, yeah, I, it just, it didn't happen all at once. It happened over time, but I didn't know it was happening. And then one day, you know, the rope was long and then I got to the end of the rope. There was no more rope. Like, and I literally, I was having a moment, I was in my bed and I was like, 
my first thought wasn't, oh my God, I am filled with gratitude for this day. My first thought was, how, <laughs> how the F am I going to get through another day? How, how am I going to do this? And my second thought was, this cannot be what the universe had intended for me. Like, there's got to be more. You know, and I'm so interested in this because a lot, you know, everyone's different, and we—that's a very common experience you described. But not all of us go. You know what? I'm going to fix this by figuring out what you figured out. So, what did you try to fix? So I couldn't control all those things. I couldn't control my husband. I couldn't control our finances. I couldn't control my parents' health issues. I couldn't undo the cancer that I had. But there was one thing I could control. And that was what was on the end of my fork. And I knew because food had always been my medium. I had had a catering company. I had been an event manager. I was like the person, anytime you were sick, I was there with the chicken soup or the, you know, a dinner for you. So food was my... Food is my love language. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too, unfortunately. <laughs> and I knew that the one thing that I could control being food had a tremendous amount of power over how I looked and felt. So I let go of all the things I couldn't control because they were overwhelming me and paralyzing me. And I turned to the one thing I could control, which was what I was putting in my mouth, and I doubled down to make sure everything that went in my mouth was helping me, not hurting me. Okay. So, and, and you know, as a woman, here's what it, it looked like before I did that. I was drinking a lot of coffee. I was getting in my car and running errands and getting another coffee. I was having a glass of wine or three at five o'clock. And once you do that, you're, I was running on carbs, so grabbing a bagel, eating, you know, yogurt because we think yogurt's healthy, but some yogurt is as unhealthy as eating ice cream. And so I was doing all these things, these little 43% of things mindlessly, and they were creating low level inflammation in my body. Okay. So now I am inflamed emotionally I am on fire mentally because I am so overwhelmed and I'm fueling that fire with all the things I'm putting in my body. It is literally the perfect storm. And and I'm feeling depressed and I'm having literally out-of-body experiences where I am talking to people and my heart is racing and I'm, I'm sure I look perfectly normal and I am like somewhere, I am disassociating with my own life. And so the culinary cure was me taking back control one bite at a time of my life. So when we think about money, boring is beautiful and it, it has a side effect of actually working to make you wealthy. And in your book, there's so much common sense there, but, but we get pushed back because, you know, it's just not that exciting. Like, give me the secret. It can't be putting one foot in front of the other. That can't really be the answer. And I think, you know, some of what you've described, your, your pre, the time before you figured out what to put on the end of your fork. I think at this point, many people are very confused about this basic thing called food. So 
Uh, do you get resistance? Because I, I'm not aware that you have any forbidden foods in your in your tips. You mostly focus on what to do, not what not to do, because doing the right thing generally replaces the bad thing, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And what you're talking about with money, and I do get resistance because people are willfully ignorant. You know, they don't want to change habits because habits are hard to change. That's why, you know, I really focus on swapping, gently swapping in things that serve you better. So there are really no neutral habits. Your habits are either helping you or hurting you. It's the same with money. You know, Mm -hmm. you're either aligning with your big picture goal. You're, you're making your habits, your money habits work for you. You're making your food habits work with you, or you're working against yourself. There's, there's no neutral. So these, the resistance I get is that people, first of all, like you said, people just don't believe like these little things are going to make a big difference. And the little things make a huge, huge difference. I just did a 30 day detox and reset with a group of 30 people. And we actually did use some supplements to kind of make it like three months worth of work in 30 days. But, you know, you give up gluten, you give up artificial ingredients, you give up all these things that were never in the American diet 100 years ago. So this is where the problems come from. The problems come from people eating things that are not actually food. (laughs) And, right, just because... Color is not found in nature. Right, just because it's in food doesn't mean it is food, right? That's a great thing to think about it. So we, you know, we all became label readers and I promised every person in the script, I said, if you do, if you do this for 30 days, you can do anything for 30 days. Come on. It's just 30 days. If you do this for 30 days, I can pretty much guarantee you'll you'll lose five to seven pounds. The men tend to lose more. That's just the way it is. Your skin will look better. Your sleep will be so much more improved. Your bloat will go away and you will find all this excitement and enthusiasm. You will wake up every day and be like ready to tackle your day. So back to that, you know, you know, willful ignorance, you know, we have to work past people's resistance to change by meeting them where they are and offering them something that they really want. And I don't know anybody who doesn't want a body that they love, that loves them back with resilient wellness, because that is, that is the money. Like if you lose your health, you will spend all of your time and money trying to get it back. That is so true. I am putting together a presentation for a speech I'm giving in March, and we we cover that people don't associate health with money, but it's a doozy. You said something at the beginning of that about nutrition labels, and you say this in your book too, and I thought this was shocking because I have learned to read labels as we've all been taught to, and and you tell us that the FDA accepts a 20% margin of error in labeling, and as a woman who monitors food, that's too big of a margin for me to take a chance with, which I think you know, really confirms, well, then don't 
worry, you know, don't depend on labels, keep your food simple and real. Right. Buy less food with labels. An apple doesn't need a label. You know, an organic apple is even better because you know how it was grown and you're, you know, so in a way organic is, um, is the unlabel that you're looking for. But yeah, a 20% margin of error in either direction. So that's a margin in error in calories, in nutrients, you know, and food labels are so misleading because you got to look at portion size. So I had three bags of granola. I was doing a little eat this, not that segment for my Instagram. And people should follow me on Instagram at Kristen Cofield because I post valuable tips every single day. And all three of these granolas had a different portion size. So one of them was an eighth of a cup. That's literally a sprinkle of food. Um, one of them was a quarter of a cup, and one of them was half a cup. Ouch. So, Ouch. so you have to not just read labels. You've got to be like, you know, a food Sherlock Holmes. You know, you've you if and most people don't have that time, and they don't have that mental bandwidth. So that's why I try to make it really easy for people. I'm like, this is way too complicated. There is this whole secondary problem of wellness overwhelm. People are so overwhelmed by the amount of information coming at them, they don't know where to start. That's like me, the woman who was so overwhelmed by her life, I was paralyzed. So they don't, so they don't make changes because they, they're so unsure if the change is like, is it what I'm supposed to be doing? I don't know. So speaking to the time factor, I think this is a really interesting idea and the power that people have with, you know, right in front of them that they might not be using. Everyone is busy. There's no human pretty much breathing today that isn't busy. But busy is an interesting idea because the basic preparation of food is so important to every other outcome in our life, as you've as you've pointed out. If I don't take the time to prep my food because I'm so, putting this in air quotes, busy, maybe I should look at what I'm busy doing. And if it's a lot of Twitter trolling or screen time that isn't productive, maybe I can take some of that back to better prepare my food. And I have a saying that food preparation is a 21st century survival skill. So people who know how to use food intentionally, food is just a tool. So food in its most basic form is calories. And calories, if you remember from you know high school, science, right? Yeah. Calories in uh, science, calories in their most basic form are fuel. So to make that a tighter sentence, food is fuel. And when we, and and our body, think of your body like a car. You wouldn't put uh, diesel fuel in an unleaded vehicle because you would absolutely ruin your engine. And the same holds true for our bodies. When we use food strategically, just like when we use money strategically. And when we align our habits with our big picture goals, same as with money, we actually function at a higher level. We actually have more energy. 
we have better sleep. We have resilient wellness, which means we are going to be less likely to get sick. And if we do get sick, we are more likely to have a good outcome. So we want to start using food like before it goes in my mouth. I'm always like, what do I want from this? You know, am I just looking for comfort? Because if so, the middle of the day is not the time for that. That's something I need to like schedule time for a little bit of comfort food if that's what I need. But usually I find if I can get through that moment and I and I eat half an avocado with some everything but the bagel seasoning <laughs> in, instead of, you know, there not that there are any naughty snacks in my house, but there's probably a few chocolate covered almonds in my cabinet, you know. It changes everything. I mean, everything. Like, I can't even, I'm, you know, I'm 62. I have more energy. I look better. I mean, and it's, it's coming from the inside. You know, I'm getting better rest. I, I'm mentally, I, I'm calmer. I'm able to deal with stress because I'm not lighting up my body with food stress, with environmental toxins. Yep. So my my youngest son, who is 35, lives in the woods, woodworker, single for anyone listening. He'll, he'll hate that if he hears this, but he is the healthiest physical human I know because he has learned to cook for himself and eat healthy foods. He's very, not particular so much as intentional about what he puts inside his body. And he, so when he was young, he used to throw up red dye as soon as it went down the throat. So we knew that there was something there and he's really paid attention to how he eats. But he always tells me, because he knows I struggle with this, you know, mom, if you're really hungry, cauliflower, broccoli, apple, everything will suffice. If you're not really hungry, then then that won't. So I, I just always think about that and always act on it. But you said something else in your book, which I think is so important. And it's it's just like Kevin with the red dye. You say our bodies know what to do with real food. So talk about that a little bit. Right. So I want to talk about that, but I don't, I want to just say one thing about food prep. It is not expensive or complicated or time consuming to feed yourself intentionally. It's actually the opposite. You actually, if you have a food plan for the week and if you stock your refrigerator with the the things you need. And you can go to the Culinary Cure. I mean, I've got de- tons of free downloads. Do. I true. have I have so much information that people can use. I, I've even got Hel- Healthy Habits 101. It is like a 20-page freebie guide to help people. It's got recipes. It like tells you how to do it. Like It's not a secret. But if you shop on Sunday, do a minimal amount of prep, Buy foods that don't require a lot of prepping. Like, I'm sorry. I know that people love those blue apron boxes, but that is, that is a Band-Aid. It's, it, is, it is not environmentally friendly. It is, it is a recipe with some of the ingredients. You need to learn how to cook. My recipes have like five steps. Like nothing needs to take a lot of time. I used to have a catering company. 
if food isn't delicious, why would we eat it? Like my first job is always to make it easy and then to make it quick. So my chili powder chicken thighs are a game changer. (laughs) My kids, I have three kids. They're um, 25 to 32. They all make those every week. We eat a largely plant-based diet. It's not hard to do. It's not expensive. You will save money and time by having a plant because then you're not running around at the last minute you know, trying to find stuff to eat or shopping, it's all right there. So you're going to, anytime you spend on Sunday getting ready, you'll make up during, during the week. And I'm and sorry, no, now let's move no, on. No, that's okay. The back to, because that's, that's a really good point. And when our bodies know what to do with real food, isn't it true that the, some of these things we're sort of dealing with the way we feel will change and get better. Right. So everything we put in our mouth sends a chemically coded message to our body to elicit a certain response. So when we eat the right fuel, the right foods, our body knows exactly how to break them down, where, what to do with them, you know, how to send, you know, the fat to the cells that need the fat and to like to the brain and to wherever fat cells are needed. Maybe we need to burn them for fuel. How to, where to put the micronutrients so we, knew, we can use them. How to get that fiber into our gut so that our gut, you know, our gut microbiome is where all the messaging comes from. So our gut sends our brain thousands and thousands of messages every single day. Our brain only sends a couple of hundred to the gut. So if we're not eating the right things, what's happening is we're feeding the bad bacteria in our gut and the bad bacteria is hosting the gut party and that's sending messages to your brain saying, yeah, drink more Diet Coke and have a bagel. And so it's signaling your brain to do the very thing you're trying not to do. So we want to send the right, we want to eat the right food. We want to get the signaling right. We want to eat the right food because our body knows what to do with it, how to break it down, how to use it. It doesn't create inflammation like all the bad things do. And then we're taking care of our gut microbiome. And then in turn, the gut microbiome is getting all the signaling correct and signaling our brain to eat more of the right foods. So as you have built this business, I'm curious because we talk to a lot of people who their small business has been negatively affected by COVID-19 and I'm going to, but we also see that several have expanded and I'm going to guess that yours has expanded during this time because of the very real interest in getting healthier. And safe social distancing from the refrigerator is, is a real thing. <laughs> that I, That's a really good thing. I should actually keep my mask on all the time. <laughs> and, that's, and that's where having a plan, if, you're, if you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail. That's where having the right things in your refrigerator, you know, just like with money, having a plan for your money, what you're going to do with it, how you're going to use it. So I use food intentionally. Five days a week, I eat a very strict diet, um, largely plant-based, not very strict, but largely plant-based. I don't drink alcohol during the week. I'm very careful with my caffeine during the week. You know, I try not to eat any processed foods if I can help it because I don't even like them anymore. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's so quick and easy to cook healthy things or have healthy things on hand. But then two days a week, I really, I live because if we're human, 
we need to live. I love wine. You know, I, we love to cook. And so, so by having this five, two plan, I'm always forever putting the odds in my favor, Mm. but I also feel really good. And the more you start to feel good, the less you are likely to want to undo all those benefits. You know, there's something different, though, in the way that you're doing this, I think, because what our what our listeners can't see is your hair has a beautiful shine. Your cheeks are just like naturally like red apple, just naturally rosy, and your eyes are crystal clear. And when I met you a few years ago, that wasn't as pronounced. I can see my own picture as we're speaking, and, and I look like your old picture. And it's interesting because I, I've been through a few plant-based programs and really enjoyed them, but they were so, there's something different. They were so dreary that I didn't get a spark and my pallor actually remained gray. That's really interesting because I don't believe in diets. Diets don't work. As a matter of fact, diets, you, you mentioned something before, diets are very negative. You go on the diet, you restrict your eating, and you lose the weight. And then you try to incorporate that back into your life, and you gain the weight back and then some. So it doesn't, you know, I am all about creating a lifestyle that you control. You know what? Maybe I get a really great invitation on a Wednesday and I want to go out and have wine. That's great. I am going to, I'm not going to say no. I hate those people who are like, oh, I can't eat that. I don't want to be that girl. You know, I want to have fun. And I want to know that wherever I go, I have the tools to navigate the eating situation without being, you know, a a pain in the neck for somebody. But here's something else that I'd like to talk about that I consider the low-hanging fruit of wellness. And if you've looked at my book, you know what I'm going to say. So hydration is the low-hanging fruit of wellness. And this is where I, yeah, you go, girl. Uh, Bonnie is holding up her, you know, gallon of um, water that she's got to drink before five o'clock today. (laughs) So like food, being hydrated, we need to understand how it works. So the body is 70% fluids. We require fluids, sometimes more. We require at least that much to function properly. All of our our major organs require water to function properly. Our lymphatic system requires water to help detox. And so water is so important, but most of us don't use water properly because we don't understand how water works. And then the other thing about water is all of the water we're drinking out of our tap is processed. So... It's been through a municipal processing plant. It's not the kind of water we as humans are actually supposed to be drinking. We are supposed to be drinking live water. So that's water that's got electrolytes, micronutrients, all these things that would be in clean well water or clean lake water or stream or river water. So we have to... There's two problems with water. One, we are very much walking around partially dehydrated because we have a lot of habits that dehydrate us, like 
caffeine in and of itself isn't dehydrating, but caffeine is a diuretic. So it actually expels water from the system. Alcohol is dehydrating. Um, when we consume foods that have a lot of these artificial ingredients or a lot of added sodium, that becomes dehydrating. When we don't eat a lot of plants, because plants are hydrating, so that's why the largely plant-based diet is kind of where the magic happens. We, we are hydrating through our food. We're getting those micronutrients and that fiber, and we're hydrating. So we're eating like these highly processed diets with a lot of refined foods. So we're, we're all walking around partially dehydrated. When we're partially dehydrated, our body is signaling us. It's like, oh my God, hydrate me, hydrate me. But we can't tell if we're hungry or thirsty. That's right. And I, I remember that processed food has taken out these two things, fiber and water. So going back to real food, you get both of those. Correct. So now you're getting, okay, so now you've got the gut and this dehydration and it's signaling you and you don't know if you're hungry or thirsty. So most of us will grab for some kind of a snack or food thing that isn't what we really need. What we really need is to rehydrate. So just in a nutshell, um, I have, you know, all this information's at theculinarycure.com, but here is the hydration formula. It's 10, 10, 10 ounces of water an hour for 10 hours each day. And people go, oh my God, that's so much water. <laughs> well, whole, you know, Bonnie held up her gallon of, of water. No, don't drink that all at three o'clock. That's, no. <laughs> that's not going to help you. What you want to do is just like I said, 10 ounces an hour, sip on it. 10 ounces is not that much. You pour yourself 10 ounces. You know, I, I have a, um, a 16 ounce glass mug that I use and I sip on herbal tea all day. And I drink five of those during the day. And it's perfect because it's you know, it warms me up. I'm getting some added benefits. Like when I drink hibiscus tea, I'm getting added vitamin C. You know, I might drink some chamomile lavender tea if I'm feeling a little stressed, some ashwagandha tea if, if I'm feeling, you know, a little out of sorts. But so the hydration um, also starts when you wake up in the morning. So, you know, I would say anybody who's listening to this, raise your hand if the per first beverage of each day that you drink is coffee. It used to be. Now it's water and it is lemon water. Oh, Bonnie, yay. And the reason lemon water works so well is when we're asleep, our body is fasting. And we are supposed to be in that deep restorative rest between like midnight and, you know, 2.30, because that's when all of our major organs go through their circadian rhythm and detox and all that. And, and literally, literally our spinal fluid comes up, goes into the brain, does a power wash, takes the metabolic gunk that's been created and deposits it in the lymphatic system. So the first thing we want to do when we wake up is rehydrate with eight to 10 ounces of warm or room temperature water. And by adding the juice of half a lemon or even a drop of lemon essential oil, if you just can't like muster the juicing of the lemon, what that does is it rehydrates after the fast that occurs during sleep, but it helps to alkalize our bodies. And raising alkalinity lowers inflammation. So that is if 
if you take nothing away from this podcast, it's that the one thing you should be doing is making sure you're starting your day with a large glass of room temperature or warm lemon water. I think that's great advice. And, you know, talk about low hanging fruit in order to make some things like I would rather have eggs and sausage for breakfast. But when I drink my smoothie, I put it in one of my best wine glasses to enjoy it. And when I'm drinking my water all day, I like things with a straw. I don't like soda or pop, but I do like the, this feels more like a treat to me than just guzzling water. So I have my stainless steel straws and I change them out every day fresh, but it's, but that's just tricks to mentally make it more interesting for me to stick with what I know I'm trying to do. Yeah. And this is a habit. So here, here you're establishing these habits that are going to support you and you may not immediately notice the benefit but like money it is that this is the com- where the compounded magic happens right this is the compound effect it's 43% of our habit you know of what we do is mindless repetition when we start to you know get that compounding it, the benefits expand so you know i am healthier now than i was 7 years ago because my habits are better and they're serving me more. I wouldn't right off the bat notice it, but then I look at a picture from seven years ago and it is profound what I see. So anti-aging at the least possible actual cost, really. Yes. One way to think about it. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. I loved your book. I love the color. I love the message. And I what I really liked the most was the simple clarity of ideas and tips that I can use and follow without completely rearranging my life. A lot of people want to write a book. So just talk for a minute about the process of writing, how it happened for you, how you found the time, and particularly because this is just a clever, colorful book with nugget, nugget, nuggets. And so how did what did you have in your head and how did the final book come out? Just talk about that if you could. Well, clearly you don't know this story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this story. I did want to write a book that was really accessible and I did want to write something that wasn't a diet, that was kind of a um, thought-provoking, but also, like you said, nuggets of information. So if you only had two minutes to look at my book, you could literally take away something of value that is interesting that you could apply to your life. So I, somebody approached me about writing a book and I signed a a 60 page contract. My husband's an attorney. He said, I don't know why (laughs) you wouldn't do this. This looks great. They're going to do all this promotion for you and and they're going to, you know, edit it and blah blah blah. So, I signed the contract. I worked with a coach because I had never written a book before and as much as I knew I had great content, it was overwhelming to try to figure out how to organize it. So, I worked with a coach and we outlined my book which was a different book than this book. And then my publisher said, you know what? I don't think we're going to publish your book. And I was like, fine, well, give me back my book. I understand. And they wouldn't give it back to me. Ouch. So part of my contract said I needed to get myself a bunch of speaking and promotional engagements to promote the book. So if you tell me to do something, I do it. So I got myself signed up. Um, to be the keynote speaker at three events. They all wanted me to have a book. It was built around me having a book. And now I didn't have a book. 
So nothing will get work done. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. Faster than I was like, holy moly, I don't I gotta have a book and I've got three months to and and I can't it can't be the book I wrote because this person won't give it back to me. So my graphic designer and I sat down and went through a bunch of tips that I had created to help people. And we picked what we thought were the most powerful ones. So my book is in three sections. The first section is Eat Well, Be Well. And it's it's how healthy people eat. And it's literally habits like buy better food, buy less food, consume less animal protein. It tells you how to eat, you know, chew your food, how to feed your good gut bacteria. The second section is food as medicine. And that tells you about foods that you should think about incorporating into your diet because they are so powerful and they're not expensive, but these are foods we should all be eating. And then the third chapter is culinary resilience and how to build a culinary pharmacy, which is herbs and spices, because all of our medicines originated from plants originally. You know, willow bark is- still do in many cases. Right, right. Opioids, hello. That's the reason to take care of the planet, right? We need it. We do. We do. And, And that is my philosophy too. You know, if it's good for the planet, it's good for us. It's- this isn't that complicated. So we we wanted to make a book that would feed the eye and feed the mind and give you tools to feed your palate. So we came up with this little design, and I, I like to say it's just the perfect size for putting on the back of your toilet in case you would like your... <laughs> Somebody in your house to learn about wellness, they're very likely to. He's adorable. (laughs) But so that's how the book came about. And my husband, bless his heart, was my editor. He's a master of the semicolon. And. He is an attorney, so that right. helps. So, so we, we ended up self-publishing the book, and then actually somebody approached me, Bent Frame Publishing approached me and said, I love your book. I think I think it is so accessible, and I think it's it's good for everyone at every age. It's good for kids because it's it's pretty to look at. It's it's good for teenagers because it's actually interesting. It's good for people who know something about wellness. And it's good for people who just need a starting point. So, so Bent Frame Publishing is publishing my book. It's available on Amazon, and and I am really proud of it. I think it's just what people need right now. And it's the title is How Healthy People Eat: An Eater's Guide to Healthy Habits: The Culinary Cure by Kristen Cofield. It's very very clever book. So I, I really encourage people to take a look. It's a lot um, of alliteration. <laughs> it is a lot. That's okay. I do the same thing. I, I don't know what that is, but I like it too. I want to shift gears again because you have spoken publicly about your real life struggles, and and they show up for clients in my business in what is known as a life cliff. We know these things happen in people's lives, but they don't know they happen in people's lives and they get surprised by them. And so just like you described before, often inside of one decade, your parents pass, your children leave home, your marriage ends or gets renegotiated and the end of paid work is looming. But you didn't just survive. You're clearly thriving after you had a decade like that. And what I'd love for you to share to the degree that you're comfortable is we have a lot of divorcing families. That's our specialty across the country. But we always ask at the start, 
Do you understand what you're signing up for? Because sometimes it's just changing the pair of socks in the room. Or, you know, is there any chance we can save this marriage? You remain married to this great guy. And can you share for others facing that marriage cliff and wanting to stay in it for all the benefits of a long, stronger marriage? That is a great segue into into something that is really near and dear to my my heart because, you know, I repurposed my husband, but not (laughs) all husbands can be repurposed and not all marriages are worth saving. True. And if you are married or partnered with somebody who is willing to do the work with you, then it is worth fighting for because I will tell you all the things that brought us together in the first place were right. They were good things. And I didn't want to leave my marriage. I really didn't. But it was so bad. And, you know, we each have our own problems and baggage. And I was enabling a lot of the bad behavior because I'm a super fixer. I am like, I can fix this problem. And so I, the problem went, the problems went on longer than they should have because I was being a good partner and I was, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul and, you know, I, and I was looking for praise for that. And what I was really doing was I was being, I was enabling a dysfunction within my marriage. And it was really hard for me to own my part in that. You know, I kind of wanted to, I became the victim, you know, and, and I, you know, that was, that was really, really horrible for me. I was the victim and I was also, it it just had, it had been such a slow, slippery slide because I thought I was partnered with someone who is, you know, I thought we were working together. So, you know, I think, I think my, the first part of my story is, you know, I probably should have gotten financial, better financial help and better emotional help so that I could have stopped acquiescing to behaviors that were really harmful to our marriage, to our finances, and to me personally. So there's a really interesting statistic out there that says about 50% of people who divorce regret it. And to me, that screams for an opportunity to work on marriages. Marriage is a well-worn, well-tested path to better wealth and a healthy long life. And so it feels like we don't pay enough attention into how to strengthen a basically good marriage where if you'd known these things were coming, they come in every life. Going back to one of the points you made at the very beginning of our conversation today, if we teach our children what to expect in the marriage and carriage of a contract that looks like that for life, I think that we set ourselves up for the best chance to survive. If we don't, we have the we don't know it's coming from left field and it would have come from left field no matter who you are and and where you are. Right. And there are all kinds of contracts in marriage, right? And in my marriage, like there was cheating. There was financial cheating that was going on in my marriage. And it was as devastating as if it had been emotional or physical cheating. And, And so I think one of the things I say to my daughters is, you know, you, you know, romance and love may 
bring you together, but, you know, having good communication and working together and having transparency in all these areas of of your life is, is what's going to keep you together. So you can't repurpose, you can't make a marriage work if one of the partners isn't willing to work at it. And I think that as a culture, we would really be helped by the deep affection that comes from embracing the messiness of two people who, who are together and building on that for something super strong, almost unbreakable. Yeah. And having acceptance around that, you know, because the cultural norms are kind of like, you're supposed to like, men are supposed to just, you know, be strong and muscle through and women are supposed to just, you know, fix all these, these problems. And, you know, I, I wish I knew then what I know now, but I think I would say my marriage is so great now. I like to refer to it as my second marriage. My, you know, like <laughs> a great way to think about it's it. It's like a second marriage. And we had to, you know, um, I will just share this, our finances, and it was through a series of some bad business partnerships my husband was in. Um, my husband's a giver, so it's never good to be in a partnership with a taker. Through some inability to to manage money because neither one of us got good money messaging growing up, we had to sell our house to pay tax debt. Mm-hmm. It was devastating. It was embarrassing. You know, and here I was at a place in my life where, you know, my friends were retiring and, you know, we were selling our one asset to pay our debt and it was horrible. But as soon as we did that and we paid the debt, this huge weight was lifted. And, and, you know, you say, you know, I'm thriving. I am thriving because I know other women want to know how to take back their lives and their wellness. And there is no reason why we shouldn't be fucking awesome (laughs) in midlife. Like, why shouldn't we look amazing and be in our seat of power? We are smart and brave and bold and fearless. You know, we have been cheerleaders for everybody, for our kids. You know, we've taken care of our parents. You know, we've done the hard work. And now is when we have so much to share and offer each other. And it's time to like link arms and help lift other women up and collaborate and find ways to just do it better. I have figured out the food hacking. I am, I am here to help other women do the same thing. But, you know, I haven't figured out the financial hacking. You know, I, I think when you fill your room with experts who can help you everything grows exponentially. Your personal happiness, your professional success, your physical endurance. It's just like this, this is a magic time. If not now, when? A great question and a powerful point you made there is simply that people are often trying to seek a solution around a problem. And sometimes the solution is to simply walk through it to the other side. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, you have a fun private Facebook group for women over 50 called She Is It, and you have some co-conspirators in that. (laughs) You have over 500 members. I really am enjoying the conversations in the group. Why did you start it? What's your favorite part of the group? And how does a woman over 50 become part of it? 
This was so fun. Okay. So, and this is the power of social media. I'm on Instagram at Kristen Cofield, and I was following some other midlife women. You know, I travel in the midlife space, and I had some girl crushes. I I loved this woman who was on Instagram at the pro age woman. I loved this other woman who is an author. Um, her name is Mel Greenberg. And we ended up writing for the pro age woman had a little magazine for a while. And, and Mel and I both wrote for that. And we sent, we connected through Instagram and we started having these weekly zoom calls about actually creating something in the midlife space that wasn't like what we were seeing out there. So there's a lot, a lot of private Facebook groups. They, a lot of them look a lot alike. And we wanted something that was really kind of raw and real where people could, could kind of hear other people, other women's stories where they could, they could connect in an authentic way. And we just started and we do um, something called Midlife Unscripted, which is a weekly show that we that we tape and we interview different amazing women in midlife. We talk about, you know, stuff that's going on in the world and and I'm really proud of it. So if it it is we think it's a unique space. We think it's a good conversation. We love having you in there, Bonnie. I loved that you uh, you get it and you share in there. And anyone who wants to join on Facebook, in groups, our group is called She Is It. Her time is now, and we are all about empowering women in midlife. I think it's a really fun group. Thanks for sharing that. Well, finally, we think that we're all more conscious of our limited time here after living with COVID and we're going to continue to live with it for a while, it looks like. What story can you share with our listeners about how you know that this this daily life is not some dress rehearsal for the future? You kind of just said it, like, if not now, when? But is there a story that sort of just, you know, really catapulted you into the, I've got to do this now? I'll tell you, you know, this is how life is, right? I remember a day I was picking up my my youngest at lower school and I was listening to NPR and I heard this broadcast about this new social media platform called YouTube. And in that moment, I had one of those aha like I should do this, but the timing wasn't right for me. I would have had to have bought this was like in the 90s. I would have had to have bought like a video camera and lights and recording equipment. And I would have had to have learned how to edit. And we just didn't have the technology at our fingertips. But I never forgot that moment. And I also, it always hung out out in my mind as that was a lost opportunity because I should have made that happen. I was made for that kind of platform. I was made to share visually. So now I think of that, that I don't want to lose. This is it. You know, it is kind of now or never. If you want to write a book, if you want to be a TEDx speaker, that's on my list too. If you want to help other people in an amplified way, if you want to make a difference and feel like all those lessons you shared, like with, like for me as a mom, not everyone listening is a mom, but as a mother, I spent a lot of time like being this coach to raise these fearless humans to go out there and explore the world. 
So for me, now is my time. This is not a dress rehearsal. It's now or never. If I want to do these things, if I want to live younger, longer, and better, and I feel like every time I get out of my comfort zone and push myself into a new space and learn something new and master it, I am living in my power. I am, and I'm having fun, you know? It's clear you're having fun. That's neat. So what is the Instagram again, please? I am on Instagram at Kristen Cofield, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-C-O-F-F-I-E-L-D. My website is theculinarycure.com. And I just, I am so passionate about sharing and helping others. I answer every single message I get from people. And, you know, if you need help, if you are ready to change what the next 10 years look like, because this is not a dress rehearsal. Everything we do in our daily lives right now is setting us up for the next decade. You know, take it seriously because it can, that 43% is, can really set you up for success. Well, thank you, Kristen, for your time, your insights, and your wisdom. We wish you continued great health, happiness, and success. If you'd like to learn more about Kristen and the work she's doing, helping others get healthy, go to theculinarycure.com or pick up her book, How Healthy People Eat, An Eater's Guide to Healthy Habits. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Bonnie. This was great, and I love what you guys do. Thank you. This podcast and any related material is provided for general information and entertainment purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, investment, or other professional advice. For professional advice in any realm, contact the appropriate professional. We assume no representation or warranty, express or implied, for accuracy or completeness of content. We assume no responsibility for information contained in the podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Links to external websites are provided solely for your convenience. We accept no responsibility for any linked sites or their contents. Use of this podcast and its content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.